Joe, baby coach at Ogeron and Mellison, Utah. And I'm driving around, you know, uh, going to Bass Pro Shop and all, and, um, you know, listening to them boys on the radio, my boy Bobby A. Bear from, uh, from my hometown. He, they talking about the draft and, um, you know, Saints. Like I said, maybe they didn't get a cornerback. Hopefully they didn't get Kadarius or some good, good versatile wide receiver, baby. Maybe in the late round, some quarterback like Trask or the, the, uh, that boy from Northwestern or the, the kid that was at Georgia, you know, one of them athletes. Um, you know, I mean, Coach O like them dual threats, like like, like Johnson. But, I mean, uh, Coach O don't like the Johnson. I mean, Johnson, you know what I'm saying? I mean, look, I ain't one of them LMNO people, nothing, baby. But I am Coach O, bitch. And you listen to that there, uh, Anchor on the Antelope. I mean, Antelope on the Anchor with the Reloaded and all, with your boy Belts and all them people calling in, talking about all kinds of stuff, sports, betting, and, and uh, politics and all that kind of stuff. You know, Coach O, he in the football, baby. He's a simple kid, and, man, you know, he don't talk about X's and O's, not all that, uh, the D and R and all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, I'm Coach O, bitch. Y'all take it sleazy. Go Tigers. From the same people in ludicrous, ludicrous, wacky left Disney and the communist mouse that brought you 101 Dalmatians, the sports antidote, after making and proudly producing a Buffalo Riot Wings that's still kind of unsuccessful, and Police Academy 8, it's only Mahoney, we now give you not 101 Dalmatians, 101 vaccinations, that's right pal, get vaccinated daily. You think one vaccination is good? No, you need 27,000 in your lifetime. Oh, yes, there's a new COVID strain coming. Get vaccinated. Joe Biden features 101 vaccinations. That's right. Don't get confused with 101 Dalmatians. Don't have time for that whack job show. They actually victimized Corella DeVille, who actually is the protagonist in that movie. But whatever. She's just trying to make a buck. Okay, big deal. Oh, the poor musician. Oh, Watch that movie again. Tell me who really is the antagonist. It's that stupid white man. Cancel his ass. 101 vaccinations. You're going to get vaccinated the rest of your life. And if you don't like it, suck it. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 46. Homie, don't play that. I'm your boy, Danny Belts. Got another baseball story for you. Sorry, Brian. I just can't help it. Uh, I have a hilarious work story for you, but it's not my work. Someone else's work. Actually, it's a friend of mine someone works with. And I'm going to show you the absolute absurdity of where we are right now with the COVID temperature. Playoff LeBron and the Utah Jazz. We'll be comparing that to a baseball story. Bro Exotic comes on to cancel somebody from The View. And Clifford the Big Red Dog. That should be interesting. Tommy Bench talks about the shooting, the police officer shooting, that no one is talking about. Another 
unique, rip-roaring episode of the Sports Antidote headed your way. And yes, I did. People caught me. I forgot to make Maryland's Republican governor white bitch of the week last week. But I can't duplicate it because other stuff has happened. So we'll have a different culprit, if you will, uh, we'll be picking on. But let's just get right into it. You all remember, homie, don't play that, right? That was Damon Wayne's out there smacking people in the head with that thing on a living color. One of the funniest skits ever. <laughs> it's just really is hilarious. I'm missing living color. Uh, they really, uh, I don't know, that's real sketch comedy to me. I, I like it a lot. I still, after a few pops, a few belts, as the drunk neighbor says, I'll go ahead and start getting on YouTube and go down the living color rabbit hole. It's usually a good time. Fire Marshal Bill, all that good stuff. Back when Jim Carrey was actually a comedian, and he was funny. Imagine that. So let's get right into it. I brought up this story a long time ago, but I didn't really get into it deeply. And I, it was a few months ago, actually. But now we're going to go back to it because something there happened that I didn't explain the first time. So it's my sophomore year, my first year at this boarding school. Again, my baseball team, awful, okay? Tell I had like six wins in 16 years. It was terrible. It was ridiculous. I was the only person on the team next year returning. I was the only person. Whether they got, people got expelled, quit, graduated, only one freaking – that never happens, right? New coach, new everything. Anyway, and like I said, the podcast we did on that one was changing the culture, and we did. But this is an interesting story in itself that we're going to revisit. So I had just pitched – the day before versus Delco. You remember I said we got shelled first time I saw them. 10-run ruled, crushed. We talked about it last week. And uh, this week we were playing a really, really, today on that day, a very, very good school, Philmont. Uh, they were a very good school in baseball this year. Uh, they had a couple kids that were playing college, and they had one kid, his last name was Wheeler, who was the home run king of the state. He had committed to Penn State and unfortunately was never able to play due to a horrific car accident where it did not cost him his life, luckily, but it did cost him. Um, he would never be able to, to walk correctly again, let alone play Division One baseball in the Big Ten. So this kid had already hit one to the moon, and I didn't play this game. I was on the bench. Typically, I'm in the outfield when I'm not pitching. And it's about 46, 47. It was under 50 degrees. It was cold outside, man. One of these dreary April days in Pennsylvania kind of Weird, misty rain. It was horrible outside. Somehow we were five to five. It's tied. I don't know how. It's tied. This this kid, this this freshman pitcher we had, who they threw his arm out and in seventh and eighth grade. He was throwing about eighty something miles an hour as a freshman. They just blew him out. He ended up failing out of school anyway, or not coming back. I forgot. But he had pitched a game of his life. He made one big mistake, and this kid Wheeler hit one to Indochina. It was a grand slam, I believe. But it was still five to five, and somehow we we're in this game. And Philmont really needed this win. I remember reading in the paper the day before that they were right there in the hunt uh, with big powerhouse Delco and Perky Omen. Perky Omen was an ESL school, English second language. Good luck playing those guys. I had to pitch against them for six years, or three years, six times. We almost beat them once. <laughs> Bunch of Dominicans in the infield. Yeah, they were really good at baseball, if you didn't know. <laughs> Way better than us. So anyway, uh, in this instance... The bases are loaded, up comes this Wheeler guy, and he's probably going to jack one to the moon. The, the bases were loaded because of three straight walks. Our coach was so stupid, he didn't see that the, this kid had thrown about 100-something pitches in seven innings. I mean, it, it, he shouldn't even have been in the game at this point. I'll, I'll speed up the, this detail because it doesn't matter. The next three pitches were nowhere near the catcher. One of them went over his head, hit the backstop perfectly on the pole, and bounced back. Otherwise, the dude on third easily scores on a pass ball. 
And finally, after the third pitch, which like rolled to the, to the plate and he grabbed his arm in pain, our genius coach at the time, not the coach that I referenced before, he would be coaching next year. This guy and his, all, his, all his wisdom decided it was time to pull this kid out. Well, great. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to put somebody in with the bases loaded on a full a 3-0 against a kid that has like 40 career home runs? Yeah, that's smart. Well, that's exactly what he did. And who did he put in? Me. Cold, cold as ice. Didn't even have time to hardly warm up. And the referee, I threw the fir- the referee, the umpire, I threw one pitch. He's like, all right, let's go. I'm like, whoa. I just, he goes, come on, we got to go. I'm like, oh, he wants to go home. And as I walk into the mound before that, I heard some wisecracks from my own teammates. Like, get him, get him, Wheeler. We're trying to get out of here. You know, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like that. And I hear some side comments coming from the other side of the bench about how I throw really slow, which I do, and they're just like, he's going to hit one to the moon and all this, and the umpire's laughing at the situation, and my coach is like, come on, McGovern, let's get it over with. Get it over with? Get it over with? We're tied. With two outs, you asshole. If we get this dude out, we can win. Get it over with. Playoffs? No, let's not. Homie, don't play that. Nope, you want to cuck on me? Uh, you ain't cucking me. So I met the catcher. He, no one liked him. He didn't like himself. His girlfriend didn't like him. No one liked him. I was, he's such an idiot. Um, we met, had a quick talk. Before I could even say anything, the umpire broke that up. I'm like, all right, here we go. Well, so he puts down the one, the one sign, which I just threw it right down the middle. Why? Because I know he's taking this. There's no way that he's getting, not even he would have the green light here. He could pop one up and we could get out. Whereas, I mean, I'm ice cold. I've thrown two pitches. I mean, my arm's already a noodle, and I just threw yesterday. I mean, and they knew that. They didn't throw that many pitches because they scored 10 runs so quick the day before. But anyway, I knew that, I knew that even the best hitter nearly in the state was going to be taking that pitch. So I threw it right down the middle. I could throw a strike whenever I wanted. I didn't throw a lot of strikes because I threw 65 miles an hour, uh, maybe 70 my senior year, but certainly probably 60 miles an hour my sophomore year. But I, I could throw a strike whenever I want. Most baseball players should be able to do that. That's not a big like, ooh. So then I could see, looked over at the coach, and he was a little pissed. I could see he dug in a little bit, and I was like, oh, he's taking again, you cuck. Threw it belt high, right down the middle, cut the plate in half. Now Mr. Wheeler was digging in like a bull. And I'm talking like, <laughs> dirt's flying everywhere. And this dude just looks at me. He's smiling. Everybody's laughing, smiling. Oh, yeah? Well, guess what, Mr. Wheeler? Got a little surprise for you. How about a little Uncle Charlie for that ass? Somehow, by the grace of God, the catcher, who was dumb as a box of rocks, put two fingers down, and I could not be happier. Because if I had to shake him off, then it would be obvious that I'm going to throw something other than a fastball. Why would I throw a curveball on a full count with the bases loaded with the game on the line? Why? Because I could throw that curveball anytime I wanted for a strike. I never did, because it would hang there, and you could hit it to the moon. But it moved at 45, 50 miles an hour. It would move two or three feet, 12 to six, sure. But I'd usually throw it to where it would be in the dirt. But I could throw it for a strike. I dropped a 12 to six on that ass that put his front knee in a buckle fashion, the likes of which you've never seen. His back leg crumbled and his hands touched the ground. He touched earth. The brothers really liked that. We had a few brothers on the team. You would have thought he got crossed up on a basketball court and fell. I'm walking to the dugout. What's he say? Nice pitch. What do I say? I know. I was there. 
<laughs> but homie, don't play that. You want to start laughing? You think this shit is sweet? It's not. And I remember thinking like, no, no, no. We're going to play. We're going to play. Even though I know this umpire wants to go home and I have no margin for error, I don't care. I feel like I want to play a little baseball. I want to bat. And I actually batted the top of the inning. Bunted my way to first, of course. Stole second, per usual. Got the third on a pass ball. And then with one out, the dude popped one up pretty good to center field where this dude Wheeler was. I tagged up on him and was safe by two feet. Then he called me out. Couldn't believe it. We really should have won this game. Or at least, whatever, it doesn't matter. Umpire clearly was, it was clear what was going on, at least to me. We lost the game in the ninth on a sack fly from said center fielder. I don't mind revisiting that story, but we got a little more micro there, you see, because what I didn't add last time was all the laughing and the mockery, the cucking. No. Homie, don't play that. We're not. We're going we're gonna to keep playing baseball because I can throw three strikes and I know you know I'm not throwing a curveball. And I dropped that bitch right on that ass. Like my boy C-Rock used to go up to girls in college and say, I'm about to drop 188 on that ass. And they'd say, what's that? And he goes, that's my weight. (laughs) Shout out to C-Rock. Great story. What's the purpose of all this? I'm glad you asked. Playoff LeBron. For as much as we dog LeBron James on this show, make no mistake. If he's not the greatest, he's pretty damn close. Like, next in line. Is he better than Kobe? Yeah. The only thing in his way is Jordan. Is he better than Larry Bird? Probably so. Kareem? Yeah. All these guys? I would have to say. The only person that might be able to be on the same trend as him is Zion, being as where Zion still legally can't drink and is absolutely unstoppable as a 20-year-old boy or young man. With the worst coach in the NBA, if I might add. And the wokest. Basketball IQ of a dragonfly, Stan Van Wokey. No, nay, nay, that of a gnat. No, nay, an amoeba. Fucking idiot. But we cannot deny LeBron's greatness on the court. What also comes with LeBron James is playoff LeBron. What's playoff LeBron? You know exactly what it is. He will get every call. You will get no calls. It is in the NBA's best interest, beyond the shadow of a doubt, to keep LeBron James on the television. That was, that was ever apparent even back to 2008 when he played for the Cavs when they beat the Pistons in that crazy seventh game in overtime before they played the Spurs, I believe, yes. Then they went on to play the Spurs. But was that that year? That was 2007 then. Whatever. Point is that, it was 2007. Point is that in that game, they f- like three of the Pistons fouled out and with some f- really crazy calls, again, ever apparent. Even then, the NBA knew that having LeBron in these games, in other words, having the Cavs continue- continuing to play would be better. I do believe the NBA has their definitely uh, does not want certain teams advancing. I, New Orleans has been screwed over big time, particularly way back in the day in 2008 when we had Chris Paul. Should have beat the Spurs in Game 7. I was at that game, some unimaginably head-scratching calls late in the game. It was just like, yeah, they want the Spurs to advance, not us. I do believe they do that. I am not a conspiracy theory guy, but I've seen it way too many times. LeBron James, of all the playoff games that have been played, LeBron, of all the NBA games played, LeBron has played in the most playoff games at 260. To put things to perspective, Kobe played 220. LeBron will eclipse 300 easily. As long as he wants to play and is healthy, he he keeps his body don't be surprised if he's around for another 10 years. I don't even know when this guy is going to slow down. Doesn't look like he's slowing down to me. 
you could technically say he's the MVP again, or every year if you want to get down to it. Even I'll admit that. However, it's interesting enough. You know what? So I was checking these stats. You never guess who number two is. You might say Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Robert Ory, just guys that were continuously on these playoff teams. It seems like every year these guys are in the playoffs. It was Derek Fisher at 259. LeBron, on his last game he played when they won a championship, became the person that played in the most playoff games. Although, asterisks to that championship. Asterisks, because that COVID bubble was bullshit. And furthermore, I was watching some highlights back in the day of when the Spurs used to play the Lakers. Man, how much fun was that, man? I was on the Kobe side for sure, but it was just so much fun to watch Bruce Bowen go to war with Kobe, and then you got Tim Duncan battling Shaq, Parker and Ginobili outside. I mean, it was just so much fun. Remember when basketball wasn't woken? Remember when people actually watched it and it was awesome and it was a real game? It wasn't played from 42 foot, 42 feet from the rim, you know, and stuff. But make no mistake, the Lakers don't give a rat's ass what seed they are. The West is so stacked right now. The Jazz are the best record in the NBA at 44 and 17. And right behind them are the Phoenix Suns at 43 and 18. And might I add, Chris Paul is a generational point guard. Albeit, he's an asshole and he's woke. You cannot deny everywhere this dude goes, even bad teams like the Thunder last year, he turns them into contenders. He did it with Houston. He did it against Houston. They almost won that series. And now the Suns finished well, but no one expected them to nearly have the best record in the NBA. And the Suns are nipping at the Jazz heels. The Jazz are coming off two losses, but that's because Donovan Mitchell's been hurt. We'll get to him in a second. They lost to the Timberwolves of all teams two times in a row, shockingly enough. One was in Utah. Hmm. They do not lose in Utah, and that is a crazy home court advantage in there. Anyway, so what's the point of all the playoff, LeBron? It's because this. Recently, LeBron James, and this went under the radar because of LeBron James' ridiculous tweets and his off-the-court shenanigans. And before I get into that, let me add, somebody asked me recently, and I forgot the COVID story too. Damn it. All right, I got to write that down. <laughs> it's so professional today, isn't it? <laughs> so actually, I'm going to save I'm gonna save the COVID story for White Bitch of the Week because it's one and the same. So we're going to do something a little different for White Bitch of the Week. <laughs> so LeBron was recently asked how he felt about the Jazz who right now are the best team in the NBA. Not going to say by far, but they just are the best unit. And he laughed and he goes, we ain't worried about them. We ain't worried about anyone. Okay, well, I guess that's right. But, you know, you're not helping yourself by saying that. Who has a bigger chip on their shoulder than Connolly Jr.? What a a warrior he is. He's been playing basketball. I remember when he was playing against... Uh, in the national championship against Florida with Odin. That was so long ago. Odin. God, he's still balling out. A very, very amazing old-school point guard that's learned to shoot the three just like Jason Kidd did at that point in his career. I love watching Utah play. Bells, I thought you don't watch the NBA. I don't, but I'll watch Utah from time to time because it's just good basketball. When they play the Knicks, that is two great coaches. And two, that is, I hope the Knicks, I, I don't know, it's, it's, they're never going to, Knicks, it'd be great if they could come out of the East. I love Thibodeau. That's two great coaches. When Quinn Snyder will get to him, sees Thibodeau, out, and, and other coaches that the Utah Jazz will play. It's just good basketball. Donovan Mitchell, when he comes back, gives the Jazz one of the deepest, strongest units. They are the most well-coached team in the NBA next to the Knicks. It's close. Quinn Snyder... 
was great at Missouri. He's worked his way up. Turn this unit around, turn this boat around, and now they're going downstream with a head of steam. These guys are a cohesive unit. The Lakers are not. The Lakers have two of the five best players in the world. Whenever you have that, you usually win. Reference Golden State. Even before they got Kevin Durant, Thompson was close enough to a top five player. Curry, certainly a top five player. One of the best players I've ever seen. Underrated defensively as well. And he can dribble and pass like he's a Harlem Globetrotter nearly. We all know he can revolutionizing the way that offense is played with the distance from the rim. But that aside, um, I just don't understand what the cynical laughing LeBron had in that interview, which I can't find on YouTube, but I saw it my own two eyes while I was getting a couple belts and some wings. And I just was like, man, you know, you know what the Jazz are thinking? Hey, LeBron, homie, don't play that. See, the Lakers think because of who they are, a non-cohesive unit with an average coach who's woken too. That disappointed me. I did not see that coming. But I guess you have to be when you're, coach, when you're involved with the Lakers and all the, the like. But it, it's just, they saw that. They're going to remember that. And when Donovan Mitchell is healthy, make no mistake, He's very close to a top five player in the NBA. He averages about 26 and a half points. He shoots nearly 40% from three. He'll give you five rebounds, five assists, never turns it over, and he's good for over one steal a game. Lockdown defender, a very, very, very good basketball player. He's almost a poor man Steph Curry, to be honest with you. He is fun to watch. And boy, does he play defense. Picks up his man, takes pride in his job, unlike most people in the NBA who could care less about playing defense. But the Jazz are an afterthought. Don't tell them that. I guarantee you, homie, don't play that. I guarantee you that. And I'll tell you this. Lakers better watch out because they got a target on their back. LeBron's been talking a ton of shit. People are fed up with it now. I think a lot of people are done with LeBron talking for other players, and I'm not talking about the players' union. I'm talking just speaking for everybody in general. I would be. Would you? Lakers better wake up. Well, never mind. They're so woke. Of course they woke up. Of course they're awoken. But the Jazz, no one is talking about the Jazz, much less the Suns. It is, it is really, really crazy how everyone just assumes, yeah, the Nets will play the Lakers. Okay, there's a chance that'll happen. Probably a 50% chance that that'll happen. More so the Nets coming out of the East. As they're firing on all cylinders now, especially after Durant being back. They just beat the Suns. I got cut there. Anyway. We can agree. Most of us can agree that LeBron's actions are ridiculous. But his actions on the court typically don't reflect that. But one thing I did do some research on with playoff LeBron. LeBron has fouled out of eight games his entire career. He's only been ejected once. But in his playoff career, of those 260 games, in which he has played in every quarter at some capacity, he's never even had four fouls. So LeBron had or five fouls. The most fouls LeBron has had is four. He's never even made it to five. So <laughs> it's impossible. He's never even been close to fouling out of a playoff game in 260 of them? What? It's like more than two NBA seasons. What are you talking about? It's like three NBA seasons. More than that. 
Like 3.5, three, three and a third NBA seasons. Never even been close to fouling out. Yeah. Playoff LeBron. That's the other benefit you have is foul trouble in LeBron in the playoffs. Yeah, they're never in the same sense. You just remember you heard it here first. I think the Jazz are coming out of the West. And I hope they play the Lakers there in the semis and send that ass packing. You want to know why? Because I can speak for the Jazz right here. So a friend of mine who lives in New Jersey, a very woken state, a shithole really. New Jersey's the armpit of America. I mean, it's either that or New York, but Jersey is just trash. Sorry. You ever been to Camden this time of year? How about Trenton? Oh, beautiful Trenton. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bring a vest and not because it's cold, a bulletproof vest. Anyway. Recently, my buddy, whenever there's a new coworker, what he does is irrelevant, but they're a very tight-knit unit in what he does. So whenever there's a new coworker, he always invites him over to his house for dinner. It's like a ritual. This guy comes in, he's working, and everybody's wearing a mask at work. It's mandatory, particularly in woke Jersey. Um, should I call it woke Jersey or new woken? I, I like new woken. Yes. So in new woken. Uh, you know, everyone's masking up and it's just a, come on. Can we have an adult conversation? Apparently not. Still, we can't. Still, here we are. Over a year. Wearing masks the rest of our life. Fauci over here, changing his mind like a fart in the wind. God. All right, dial it in, belts. Get the cow back in the barn, as the drunk neighbor would say. So, this is is mind-blowing, by the way. You're not going to believe me, but you have to. So, the guy that is invited, my buddy invites him, he counters and says, no, no, you come over to our house. And my buddy's like, well, he's like, no, no, man, let, let, let us cook for you and your family. So he's like, um, okay. He's like, but I got next though. You're coming to my house. Like, oh, sure, sure. We can grill. So he comes over, you know, they got a couple bottles of wine, a couple kids with him. The guy also has a couple kids. So this would be fun. They can go run around. Kids can play. Adults can have a few pops, eat some steaks, right? <clears throat> Wrong. He opens the door and to hit, when he knocks on the door, it's open, and to his utter dismay, his coworker's wearing a mask in his own house. And so are their kids, and so is his wife. And they politely ask him, hey man, do you mind putting on a mask? And he's like, we didn't bring a mask. Uh... And by the way, my buddy is a card-carrying classic liberal Democrat who voted for Biden, but he can have an adult conversation, as most people can. Not the crazy whack job far left that keeps going left and left and left. My God. I'm telling you, you guys, you Democrats out there, you better get yourself in check with this squad, particularly Omar now, who's off her rocker, Rashida Tlaib and AOC, Maxine Waters. These people are nuts. And don't, don't front like you're like, no, I'm on board with what they say. No, you're not. Let me just go ahead and say you're not. You're just too woke and you won't admit it, but whatever. You know I'm right. Like I typically am. 100% of the time. 40% of the time, every time. So he says, no, I'm not going to... He's like, can I give you a mask? He's like, no, we're not wearing masks. What do you mean? He's like, well, where there's exposure. He goes, I work next to you. He's, yeah, but we have masks at work. And my buddy rolls his eyes and goes, dude, we're not wearing a mask. And what about when we eat? He's like, yeah, it's just like on an airplane. Oh, no. Oh, hell no. Homie, don't play that. <laughs> 
Because me and my buddy, although we disagree on a lot, we have one thing in common. The mask on the airplane thing where you pull it down and eat and then pull it back up is the dumbest shit on the planet, period. No, do a gym room. Check that. Wearing two masks. What this show needs is more of me, less of you. One of the greatest things I've ever heard to a caller after he hit him with the, I don't like that call. That's not a very good call. What this show needs is more of me, less of you. Anyway. So my buddy's like, dude, we're not coming in. That guy's like, not understanding why. This is an adult. This is a mechanical engineer. It's a smart guy. And he, mask in the house because of exposure? Then if you're that worried, don't invite people to your house. Matter of fact, don't even leave your house. Just die in there (laughs) at this point. Are you kidding? I don't know your name, buddy, but you, Woken, and New Woken, you are white bitch of the week, and yes, I'm going to find out your name from my buddy, and you have also absolutely been nominated for white bitch of the year, and now you are the front runner. You're more of a front runner than Van Wokey. You are running away with this right now. I know I say that every week. That's my third nomination. We're having an awards banquet, last podcast of the year. Who knows, Mike? Who knows who'll win this one? But you absolutely are nominated for white bitch of the week. Where's Bro Exotic? The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. Bro Exotic, what's going on, Chief? How you doing? Uh, what's going on, dude? Uh, Bro Exotic, founder of Me Too, Epsilon, Theta, Omega, Omega. What's going on, bro? Sick. Uh, we have a lot to discuss today, and obviously you, you, uh, <laughs> have a lot to tell us right now, and there's some. See you next Tuesday, you know, from the view. You want to talk about that, and some other things you want to discuss, which we all want to hear. So this is when I'm just going to shut my mouth and let you go bonanza. Go ahead, my friend. It's so yeah, dude, I believe you're uh, talking about Joy Bayar on the view. Yeah, um, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, real. See you next Tuesday. That one. Um. But yeah, like Joy Bayar likes to act like she's been woke since like the 60s when she was like doing the twist listening to Chubby Checker. But this privileged ginge might as well just be <laughs> Gavin McGinnis's mom with her just disgusting borderline hate crime pronoun misuse towards this brave hero, Caitlyn Jenner, who, by the way, is trying to take back California from Gaviner Gruesome. <clears throat> uh, so uh, uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, Caitlin, Caitlin's about to invade. He's about to invade Newsom's privilege, like Clifford the Big Red Dog, when he and his band of uncultured MAGA swine, fueled on Arby's and PBR, invaded the Capitol building because the Orange Man gave him the nod to do so. By the way, Clifford's canceled too. If you didn't know that, he's going to join the band of cartoons, uh, the likes of Pepe Le Pew and such. Who, who are indeed canceled. So anyway, yeah, after the orange man gives him the nod, uh, which it effectively put uh, Ale- uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a.k.a. my sister from another mister, uh, slash ma'am, or any gender her biological parent chooses to be called, because actually I'm woke enough to be gender pronoun conscious, unlike this alt-right bitch Joy Bayar. But you know what? I'm not even going to cancel her, dude. 
This, uh, I, I mean, this. Whoa, just, whoa, 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 whoa! What do you mean? Well, I'm, I'm not even gonna cancel Joy. No, this, this actually just came to me, dude. I am gonna speak to Woke Pope about this, but instead of canceling this wretched transphobe, she, she will now be known as folk, fake woke, and she's gonna be <laughs> scared. She's gonna carry this for the rest of her life like a scarlet F on her chest, and we want her to be around. We want her to know that she is fake woke, folk for life, and, you know, no joke, Joy spoke, bro. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is incredible. Uh, I mean, what else do we have here? Is it? I mean, I mean, dude, like, I, I, I think that the uh, Church of Woke is going to be going in a new direction uh, now that we have... Oh. We just have uh, di- different ways of uh, of disciplining people for their transgressions. We don't have to cancel them anymore, dude. Now, the folk are going to be exposed. There are spies in the woke army, and we can't have these Joy Bayars like like Price and Stalag Seventeen. We need to out these people. Well, I mean, I'm 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 kind of taken back here. Out out these your people, your own people. Absolutely no, they're they're infiltrators, dude. She is an infiltrator. Is there, is there she like is... degrees of like liberal left? I mean, obviously you being like a ten, the farthest of ten. Are, is this like where you like loud at like the sixes or the fives? I mean, yeah. is that what you're talking about? Maybe we get rid of them. I mean, I'm just trying to under. Yeah, dude. We Help me understand. The... We got to trim the fat, dude. Wow, that's insane. All right, bro. Bro, exotic. Uh, is there a chance we can have the woke pope on here on the next episode? Woke pope, come on the sports antidote and tell us all about what's going on. Is there a well, chance? Well, being uh, one of the most influential members of the Church of Woke as the woke cardinal, uh, which I've been um, very graciously handed, uh, perhaps I could um, have a, a talk with woke pope and see if he can make his very first public appearance ever as the uh the head of the church of what all we're trying to do is just understand look we're not trying to we're not trying to you know we're not trying to push anything forward pull anything back all we want to do is just understand what is happening in the church of woke and i think that's a fair assessment from this podcast towards the woke pope do you agree I uh, I most definitely do, dude. Uh, we're just yeah. trying to trying to get our message across. I think that uh, having woke pope on here uh, will definitely be a great uh, a great tool and asset into making sure everyone's privileges checked. Yeah, we need exactly every single box of privilege needs to be checked. We can agree on that. Most definitely, bro. Goddamn right. All right, <laughs> bro. Exotic. Thanks for jumping on. The Sports Antelope Partner. We will see you next week. And you talk to that woke poke and let them know what's up, all right? Well, dude, dude. Uh, we had uh, we had church yesterday, as you know, on Tuesdays. Tuesdays, um, yes. But uh, we are going to uh, partake in fellowship this weekend, playing a little uh, little game of woker. So I'll uh, bring it up to him then. Okay, before you go, can you just give us – we have a lot of new listeners. Uh, what is woker? 30 seconds of woker. 30 right, so woker is uh, – Woker is the uh, the official card game of the Church of Woke. Um, a lot like your traditional poker, just Woker rules. Uh, all queens, obviously, they beat kings. Uh, jacks can identify as jills because they are card fluid. Uh, things of that nature, dude. I mean, um, 
definitely cannot uh, cannot have <laughs> a, a flush that is all black or all red because it's culturally appropriating to African Americans and Native Americans. So p- pretty much, if you're white playing woker, you're never gonna win, and no one ever really wins anyway. So you know, good luck. Good luck for <laughs> good enough for me. All right, bro exotic. We'll see you next week, man. All right, man. You can uh follow me on Instagram, bro exotic, B-R-E-A-U-X exotic. And uh no jokes they work, bro. Later. All right, man. Oh, we don't play that. Tommy Bench, thanks for jumping on this pal episode number forty-six. What's going on, Chief? Not much sport. It's good to be back after a, a little hiatus from last week. I love when I give you a little mix of Chief and Pal. You give me sport. Wow, I tell you what. Sport. It, you, you're bringing back sport. That's. Uh, I'm trying. Well, it's pretty good. Uh, so let's just get right to the nitty-gritty. Now, obviously, uh, you are going to talk about something very, uh, as I alluded to in the beginning of the podcast, there was a shooting somewhere in Nashville, outside of Nashville, and we're it not was. hearing. Yeah, we're not hearing anything about it. So why don't you tell us why? So, shooting in Nashville. Now, of course, and 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 I hate that we have to add these details, but they are germane to the current uh, pop culture discussion on the topic of police shootings. Yes, the national Young narrative. Bl- yes, we get it. Right, the national narrative. Okay, young black man shot in Nashville. Now, for some members of the news media, that's all you need to hear. You don't need to hear any more details, any more information. There are some people who that's all they have to hear. And they will start pronouncing the evils of the police, the officer, everything. Okay. Um, However, what's interesting about this shooting, and, and if you Google it, you can find stories, but it has not become a national story, uh, even though it has many similarities to the Micaiah or Makia, I've heard it pronounced both ways. I'm really not trying to mess her name up on purpose. Um, it has some similarities to the Makia Bryant shooting, but it has not made national news. And, and I'm going to posit a theory as to why. So first I will explain to everybody. If you want to see the video, the, the, they were very quick, quick to release the body cam footage. If you look for Metropolitan Nashville Police Department body cam, it might take you a little while, but Try to, if you want to look for it, look for the actual video that came from the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department. Otherwise, you'll get some news story and it's just some anchor yapping for three minutes and they show you six seconds of the video without showing you the most important parts of it. Um, If you find the video from the Nashville PD, skip to about the two minute mark, you watch 45 seconds of the encounter. And then if you want to listen to the commentary from the various police officers before and after the actual incident video, you, you can do so. Uh, but it's it's 45 seconds from from the time the body cam comes on, which is essentially as the police officer is pulling the vehicle over. Police officer steps out of the car, instantaneously has to start giving directions. Stay in the vehicle, stay in the vehicle. Passenger gets out. It's very clear from the get go. He has a knife in his hands and he's coming at the police officer. So the police officer, imagine he just exited his vehicle. So he's kind of standing there, sees the knife. His gun is already drawn. He's saying, drop the knife, drop the knife. Stay. The guy starts coming towards him. The police officer backs up, backs up, backs away, backs away, you know, buys himself time. He does not want to put himself in a position where he has to shoot this kid. I shouldn't say kid. He turned out to be 32. He doesn't want to shoot this guy. 
he's, he's backing up. The, the guy actually runs to the driver's side of the police vehicle because you can imagine the police officer backed up about 25 feet such that he was about 25 feet away from his vehicle. The guy goes to the driver's side of the police vehicle while the police officer starts closing the distance. The guy gets back out, I guess, realizing that's a terrible idea. Kind of, kind of runs away from the police officer. The police officer somewhat pursuing him and saying, you know, put the knife down, put the knife down, just constantly yelling commands. Put the knife down, put the knife down. Then the guy kind of changes directions and starts coming directly at the police officer. And it turns out, man, it, I, didn't, I couldn't see this in the video, but written news reports claim that the guy actually had two knives, two butcher knives, two large knives in his hands. He starts charging at the officer. I mean, directly, not like, you know, zigzagging, but just making a direct beeline for the officer. The officer shoots three times. The guy goes down. He uh, ends up being pronounced dead at Vanderbilt Hospital. In the body cam footage, you hear the police officer immediately after he shoots the guy. He's like, why did you do that? Why Why did you do that? I didn't want to shoot you. And I think even, even as... They're kind of running back and forth. The police officer saying, I don't want to shoot you. I don't want to shoot you. Put the knife down. Put the knife down. All right. So you might hear this and you might think, well, well, I mean, of course, Bench, you know, this doesn't fit the narrative. It's, it's too clear cut. The guy had a knife. He's coming at the police officer. Well, why is the Makia Bryant one nonstop conversation? Because she's a child. She was going to kill that other woman. So somebody was going to die that day. Okay. So I don't understand why that one's national news. But I have a different theory on why this one that I just described, uh, in, in I think good enough detail that you can understand the scenario and the situation. It was at nighttime, um, and, and I do believe the police officer was white. But I, I, I can't imagine any other human being, no matter their skin color, would have reacted differently than the police officer. And, and I would challenge anyone. I'll, I'll get a couple of butcher knives and chase you around and hand you a handgun, and you tell me what you would do. Okay. <laughs> but here's what makes this one very unique. Some of you may have caught that I said the passenger exited the vehicle with two knives and started charging at the police officer. Some of you may be thinking, well, what about the driver? Okay. The driver was also a young black male. The driver is alive today. Why is the driver alive today? Because the entire exchange that's occurring with the police officer and the passenger who's wielding the knives and eventually charges the police officer and gets shot, the, the driver... He's a sensible enough guy. He's yelling at his friend the whole time. What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop, stop. What are you doing? I mean, it's, it's constant through the whole 45 seconds. And then after the police officer shoots the passenger, the, guy, the, 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 the driver is like, oh, man, oh, no. The police officer issues one command to the driver. He says, stay right there, stay over there. Guess what the driver did? He stayed right there. He stayed where the police officer told him. He followed the police officer's very simple instructions. And he is alive to this day. The reason this story is not being talked about by the mainstream media is you have a clear-cut case. They're both young black males. Again, it, it, it has to be stated because it's germane to the narrative. Two young black males in, in the exact same exchange with the exact same police officer, in the same proximity, the same time. We don't, we don't have to theorize and say, well, what, what would happen? I mean, if the cop's really racist, they'll just kill both of them. No, there's no theorizing. It's you have two young black males. One follows instructions provided to him. The other does not and charges a police officer with knives. One is alive, one is dead. And it's just that simple. 
and 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 before we get too heartbroken, uh, the 32 year old individual uh, who was shot and killed by this Nashville police officer a on about two weeks prior to the shooting, a warrant for his arrest had been issued for a murder committed in December of 2020. And apparently there were also some other ongoing investigations of which he was the subject. So this this guy was he was a hardened criminal. Um, and, and I encourage you go Google this story. You'll see his image. He's got some face tattoos. I mean, he, he looks like he's trying to play the part of a hardened criminal. But again, I ask, why is this not a national story? Because the last thing, the last thing the news media wants you to see is this video and reach the conclusion I think that I just laid out, which is I, I see two examples. I see one person who follows commands issued to them by a police officer. I see another person who does not. I see one person who's alive today. I see one person who is not. I, I you know, it's funny. Uh, one of the Facebook personalities that some of us probably like, Officer Tatum, recently reposted that Chris Rock video, how, how not to get shot <laughs> or beat up by a cop. I mean, first, I... I I had forgotten about that video. It is hilarious. It is hilarious. Now, of course, if Chris Rock made that video today, he would be consoled, as Bro Exotic would put it. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Chris Rock, how not to get shot by the police. Um, it, it's hysterical. So there's our pop culture policing tidbit for the month. Now, before I let you go, do you honestly think, and we'll just go, you know, cuff to cuff here. I have not, I saw the video. I mean, I have not seen, you know, the it in its entirety. But it kind of looks to me as when I looked at it, and this is going to sound crazy, and I know that this is going to be all, oh, well, bro. Bro, exotics, the woken nonsense, and now like the, uh, you know, the Alex Jones conspiracy theory along with you, I guess, but mm-hmm. did this not look like a martyr death for me? It, it, it looked like he knew he was going to die. I am charged officer with a knife. He is going to kill me. And so, with doing that, wait, I'm not done. And with doing that, I will be up there with, I mean, I guess the others. I just the video was so ridiculous and so right. insane. It looked like the most like blatant version of. That I would video. offer a. I, I think there's a possibility of that. I would offer three explanations that tie into that. Number one, I did not know at the time of watching the video, and, and it was just honestly in preparation for the show where I did a little more reading, and found out that he had an open warrant for his arrest for murder. Okay, so, so you got to the knife either way. Well, because some some people maybe maybe he figured he could get away. Maybe he figured if he, he shanked the cop, he could get away. Gunfight, right? I mean, fuck. Right. So, I, well, I think there's two other aspects. One, I'm sure when the full autopsy report comes out, they'll find out he was high on some kind of drugs. It, it, oh. it is well established that most narcotics, especially even just weed, uh, increase paranoia. So you've got somebody who's already probably paranoid about dealing with law enforcement because they're an actual criminal and they have a warrant. You, you stack some sort of narcotics on top of that. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an element of, well, if I'm going to go out, maybe I'll go out like this and my family will get a payout. Especially after the precedent that was set in the George Floyd case, $28 million before a verdict was ever reached 
in terms of the conduct of the officer. Uh, unheard of. Unheard of. So it could have been an element of that. I, I it, it, Again, I just I find it stunning that even the usual suspects who eat up videos like this and, and would say, this is just, why couldn't he have shot him in the leg? Why couldn't he have, he have done something different but shoot this guy? One, I think they realized this guy is a hardened criminal. This is, this is, there's no way they can paint him as anything. Other. I mean, the, the, the murder he's, he had a warrant for occurred in December of 2020. So there's no way you can paint him as, oh, he was rec- on his road to recover. No, this guy was in a hardened criminal. I think it's obvious this police officer had no other choice. And again, I think you've got that contrast, stark contrast, somebody who listens to police commands and somebody who does not. Well, there you go. All right. We're going to hit one other topic real quick. So it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a deep dive into the COVID numbers. And again, we, we don't uh, want to be the, the COVID way, Vince, podcast. Can I, can I go ahead and tell you? Can we two minutes, please? I'll keep it quick. I'll if keep it can... quick. There's, there's a simple message. It goes something like this. The last time we checked in, uh, the, the numbers for case numbers seem to be ticking back up. And, and I posited a theory and again, I know epidemiology and virology does not work this way because viruses are not sentient. But it, it, it kind of seemed like the way the numbers were going, like the virus was going to make one last, one last gasp of trying to tick upward and trend upward and have growing case numbers. Well, when you look at the national trend, the case numbers seem to have peaked. Again, I like to use the seven-day rolling average. It smooths out some anomalies with data. Case numbers seem to have peaked on April 13th at a little over 72,000. Excuse me, April April 14th um, at a little over 72,000. Since then, the seven-day rolling average has fallen to 53,705 as of numbers that were aggregated from today. Now, the death numbers, what's interesting about this, the death numbers continued falling. They've kind of leveled out. So that that really supports the thesis that the people getting it now are younger people, younger, healthier people, and we're likely to continue to see at least a flatlining and then a decline in the death numbers. I think we'll see that. A quick update on the number of vaccines that have been distributed. 200 and I believe it's 30. Just check the numbers here. I want to be accurate. 234 million shots have been distributed. And when you actually look at the breakdown, it's 141 million people have received one dose. So that's almost 68% of the adult population. So the number of people over 18 in this country is 210 million. That's about 141 million people have at least gotten the first shot. So you'll assume most of those people will go on to get the second shot. And there's pretty good evidence to show that once you've had the first shot, that interim period before you get the second shot, you're pretty well covered. So all of that to say, in terms of the adult population, we're either at or or very close to herd immunity, especially when you tack on people who already had an existing case. It'll be really interesting to see if numbers in kids start going up, because really they're going to be the only population who isn't vaccinated over the course of the next four to six months. I mean, I just saw a story in, in the county I live in, Texas, they're going to stop the mass vaccination sites because there's just not enough interest. They've already gotten to the very bottom of the wait list and it'll be smaller you know, centers, they, they weren't going to be doing the mass vaccinations uh, at the Texas Motor Speedway. So I, fa- I found that interesting. It really seems like anybody who's wanted to get it is going to have the opportunity. And, and I think by 
you know, the middle of June, the only distribution that's going to be going on is people getting their second shot. And by July or August, I'm sure these vaccination numbers are going to be very low. I, I, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of people left who want to get it and are going to get it who won't have it completed by the end of June. So I, I really do anticipate next school year being a very much more normal school year, at least in states with any common sense, but that remains to be seen in some states. And you can guess which states they are. They tend to be states that lost congressional seats from the 2020 census. But that's a topic for another time. Imagine that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, Bench, let's close you out here. Anything you want to leave with? Uh, one one final thought in a, uh, you know, contrasting with something Bro Exotic talked about, I, I am appalled, outraged, and I think I'm going to start a fundraiser for Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, uh, I, I think it's ridiculous that. that Bro Exotic is trying to cancel him. He did nothing wrong. He stayed outside the security perimeter. He was not one of the people that breached the perimeter on January 6th. The photo evidence is clear. He is innocent, and he should not be consoled as bro exotic would put it so i, I vehemently well, disagree with bro exotic well fat chance because i'm getting canceled especially in the church of work excuse me the church of woke which we will talk about very shortly right after you leave so anyway he's coming on you're coming off thanks for jumping in here brother we'll see you next always week. good to be on all right out here later Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 46. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Homie, don't play that. I didn't play that my sophomore year at Philmont. The Utah Jazz ain't playing that. Bro Exotic don't play that. Tommy Ben certainly don't play that. And yours truly, homie? Nah, I don't play that, Chief. Follow us at the Sports Antidote on Instagram, at the Sports Antidote. Rate, subscribe, and review, and tell some friends. Because you know this podcast is hilarious. It encapsulates you for an entire hour nearly. Bed, bath, and beyond? I let you, boy. Keep it real, and the oceans.